Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Well, I'm excited this morning. I've, I've got the joy. I don't know about you. If you don't got it, get it. You know, I, I, uh, I was reading about Oliver Wendell Holmes. I don't know if you all know who, who he was or who he is in history, his place in history, but he was one of our chief justices. And he said one time, though he was a chief justice, he said that he considered being a minister of the gospel. He said the only thing that kept him from being a minister was that all the ministers he saw looked like undertakers. And so, you know, that's a, that's a, a, a bad indictment for a Christian that, that we look like we've, you know, we have no joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's no wonder a lot of folks don't have any strength because we just we don't have any joy. Well, I want to help you get some joy this morning because if you got it, other people want it. You ever notice that? How many of y'all like to be around an old sourpuss? I don't really care to. I'll try my best to get away from them if I, if I can. I mean, there are occasions, there are times when I've had to be in the presence of a sourpuss. It wasn't a lot of fun. And so I wanted to get away as quick as I could. But I love being around people that, that are full of joy. You know, I, it's, like I said, it's contagious. If you stick around me long enough, you'll know that I love to have fun. I believe it's an earmark of a child of God. I mean, we ought to be excited about Jesus. We ought to be excited about the things of God. If you aren't excited that something's wrong, you haven't really gotten saved yet. I question your I question your salvation if you don't have any joy, right? I mean, you might have religion. Religion will make you that way. Religion will put starch in your collar. It'll keep it there, you know. But salvation, real, honest to goodness, relationship with Jesus, it'll put joy inside of you. It'll make you excited. I, I, I want to take you to, to the book of Philippians, Philippians 4.4. We used to sing it all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I told my wife I wouldn't do that. Well, I couldn't help it. But, you know, we sing those courses a lot of times that helps you to get it inside of you, and it's good. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Now, what, what was Paul doing when he repeated himself? He was making sure you got it. Now, when you think about Paul writing that to the Philippians, to the church at Philippi, and he knew these folks had been through it, man. They had been through the ringer. But he wanted to encourage them and strengthen them in the Lord. Because, you know, in his situation, where Paul was, he was writing from a Roman prison. He certainly understood about having the joy of the Lord. If you go to the book of Acts, you'll see in the book of Acts that he and Silas were put in jail because they were Christians, because they loved the Lord, because they were preaching the gospel. They were thrown in jail, and in jail they were beaten, put in stocks, and, 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 and we're, we're hanging there. I, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't, you know, that they just kind of had them loosely put around their arms and they were just kind of stuck in a corner somewhere. They were probably hanging from the wall in stocks with their feet shackled. Couldn't hardly, you know, couldn't hardly move at all. And along about midnight, they started to do something. They started to become exuberant in their praise to the Lord. They started singing hymns and worshiping the Lord. And, and God set them free. 
you know, he, he, he sent a, an earthquake and, and, and it shook off their shackles. And they just walked out of, out of jail. And what am I saying? When we have the joy of the Lord, there is something liberating about that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't got it, get it. It'll heal your body. I was reading the other day that laughter is, is, is powerful, powerful medicine. If you learn how to laugh, I mean, you know, a lot of times when we're sad or we're, we want to get company. You know, we, misery loves company. So we want to get some people just like we are so we can sit around and bounce it off of each other and just tell each other how miserable we are, you know. But what we really need to do is get something that will make us laugh. Just come hang around me for a little bit. I'll get you going. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. But, you know, laughter is good medicine. It strengthens you. I, I, I can't help but tell this. This is, this is funny, but... You know, several years ago, I had to, take, had to take some medicine for hepatitis C, and it was really bad stuff. It was called interferon, and it really messes with your, uh, with your hormones and, and your, your psyche. It just really trips you out, you know. And so I had taken my first shot. You had to take the shot in the belly. And so I'd taken the shot, and I, and, and, and I you know, had gotten over the initial shock of it and everything. And I was sitting in my lounge chair, and I turned on the TV, and I used to like to watch Walker, Texas Ranger. How many Walker, Texas Ranger fans we got in here? We've got a few, you know, like Chuck Norris and all that. So I was watching Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, if you don't like it, get over it. You, I mean, you got your stuff. I got mine. So I'm watching Walker, Texas Ranger, and he's, there's an episode where there's a little boy who finds out he's got AIDS, and, and I'm watching it, and it just, it gets, it gets a hold of me, man. I'm just, I'm all tore up. I'm sitting there, and, and I literally start crying. I mean, I got big tears coming up, just like somebody just turned a faucet on the back of my head. I'm just crying my eyes out, and one of Becky's friends calls. I want to know where Becky was at. When she calls, you know, I'm trying to get my composure. And she could tell I'm crying. And she says, are you crying? Said, yes. Oh, why are you crying? Because I was watching Walker, Texas Ranger. Click. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, wow, that was kind of odd. A couple minutes later, Becky was working at the church. She worked in the office. And so uh, she was working at the office. She called Becky. She said, Becky, you got to get home right away. Becky said, why? She said, because Don's at home and he's crying his eyes out. She said, is he all right? Becky said, I don't know. She said, well, what's, what's wrong with him? Why is he crying? She said, well, he said he was watching Walker, Texas Ranger. So the phone rings. And I pick up the phone. And by then, you know, I'm over it. We've been going to another scene now, you know. So Becky calls, and she's like, are you all right? Well, yeah, why shouldn't I be? Well, so-and-so called and said you were crying your eyes out. I said, well, I was. <laughs> well, why are you crying? I said, well, I was watching Walker, Texas Ranger. She said, what did he do, kick somebody with his boot? <laughs> so I'm trying to explain to her what's going on, you know. Well, she, she got a good laugh at my expense and this kind of stuff. I look back at it now, and I laugh at it, you know. But, you know, it, it helps us sometimes to, to learn to laugh. And, and, and I've, got, I've got stuff at home. You know, I've got every episode. My, my family made sure they, they found out I loved everybody loves Raymond. 
I find it funny. I can't help it. I do. I mean, Frank was awesome. So I, I, I love to watch comedy. I love those kind of things because I love to laugh. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, and, and, and the thing about it is when we have a deep relationship with Jesus, we got nothing to worry about. You know that? If you've got a deep relationship with Jesus, you don't have to worry about your troubles. The Bible says you can cast all your cares upon him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares upon him. And the Greek word there means to literally roll your cares upon. You just roll your burdens, roll your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. And the flip side of that, Peter goes on to say, is that you have an adversary, the devil, who goes about like a ravening and roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we see that Jesus cares. The devil wants to kill us. He wants to devour us. So if our faith and our confidence is in the Lord, then we should have joy forevermore. Amen. No matter what's going on. Paul and Silas, you know, they were in jail. They didn't get, you know, they didn't start singing the blues. I got the blues. I got these shackles on my hands. I can't get loose. I got the blues. They didn't do that. They started singing hymns. They started singing hymns. I, I've, I've got a, you know, I've got a, a message I've had on my phone for almost a year now. And it's, it's from one of my dearest friends who's in heaven now. The last message he sent me was uh, we had gone to Raleigh one night. We were coming back, and, and we had stopped at a restaurant, and I got a phone call. Well, I couldn't answer the phone because I was in the middle. We were in Cracker Barrel. You know, important stuff going on there. I'm, I'm ordering food. And so he, he calls me, and he leaves a message on my phone. And, 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 and I waited a couple of, you know, I forgot about it, so I waited a couple of days before I listened to it. And before I could even get back to him with the message, that following weekend, he was taken away. He's in heaven now. And I've got that message, and the message says, Don, this is Tim. Where are you? I need you. I'm writing a song, and I'm stuck. I need you, buddy. Call me. And he and I had been, had been working on some songs together, and, and he had a brand new one he was putting together. But just before that, though, we had taken one of the old hymns at, um, at Calvary, and we had kind of toyed with the, with the lyrics a little bit and swapped them around. And, you know, we were, we, I, was, I was out walking one morning, and I was just, I was just, just meditating on the meaning of the cross and what it meant for me. And what it means for all of us. You know, if we think about the cross, when I was a sinner and didn't understand the cross, to me it just didn't make sense that a good man like Jesus who went about healing people and, and, and just doing all kinds of good, why would God allow such a good person and why would evil people want to take him and put him on a cross? So I hated the cross. I didn't understand it. But after... I got a revelation of what the cross was about was the reason that the cross was there is because Jesus died on the cross, not because of what he did, because of what I did. And I was just walking one morning. I was thinking about burdens there were great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. I was singing it. My dogs were looking at me like, are you crazy? They were kind of digging it, though. You know, they got joy, too. 
as long as I got it, they got it. They pick up on my, my temperament. But, uh, but we were just having a good time singing, so I, I told Tim about that. And, and he and I just kind of toyed with that song a little bit. And, and, but what really stood about out to me was the joy. Oh, the joy that floods my soul, fills my heart and overflows. That's what Jesus has given us through the cross. Through the cross. So Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And that word rejoice is the word um, uh, kairo. Everybody say kairo. And it means to be cheerful. Or to be calmly happy or well off. To rejoice or be glad. Now think about that. To be calmly cheerful. You know, when we're going through situations, when we're going through trials, we're going through trouble and all those kind of things, sometimes we have a tendency to get uptight. You know, but Paul says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. Joy and happiness are, are, are first cousins. You know, they're close in meaning. But happiness is based upon our circumstances. It's based upon our feelings and what's going on for the moment. Happiness comes and goes. You know, if you were to lay down 20 bucks on a scratch-off and you won the lottery, you'd be happy. If you laid down 20 bucks and you didn't, you wouldn't. You see how, how, it, how it can change in just a moment? Or if things are going perfect in your life, you can be happy. But if things are not, you're not. But joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. It's dependent upon our state of mind. It's dependent upon what we're thinking about and what we know. You know, the cool thing about being a believer is we have inside information. We know how it all plays out. We've read the book. We've read the end of the book. And guess what? We win. We win. We cannot lose. We can't lose. So, therefore, I can have joy in the middle of bad situations knowing that even when I'm going through bad situations, God is doing something incredible in my life. I have a good, I, I, I met a guy, his name is Lance Wallnow, and he wrote a book called The Seven Mountains. And, uh, you know, it's a seven mountain strategy. He's an incredible guy. He, he, uh, he graduated from one of the Ivy League schools. Just an incredibly intelligent guy and and he was talking about how that you know when they're when they're uh, uh, building new jets and things they fly them in extremely high altitudes you know why they fly them in extremely high altitudes so they can test them see if there are any flaws in them because when they get up in the in the pressure of the of the high altitudes and everything will reveal any cracks or anything they have in them and he said, the same thing is for you and I. We soar like eagles above circumstances and situations. And when we're soaring like eagles above circumstances and situations, sometimes pressure surrounds us, but what does it do? It doesn't overwhelm us. It doesn't bring us down. All it does is reveal the little, little cracks and flaws we have inside of us so that we can overcome them. And that's a good thing, right? So God is doing something in us, and we have, when we have the joy of the Lord, we fly high. Now listen, if we're currently and constantly fixating on things that cause us worry, make us angry, discouraged, sad, so on and so forth, then I want to tell you something, you're not truly being a kingdom person. If your mind is there, let's just say uh, gutter, <laughs> 
If your mind is in that gutter all the time, if you can't get out of that situation, if you can't bring yourself to think on something else, then you, you're, you're in a bad situation because the Bible tells us in, in the same book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus knew what he was about. He knew where he was headed. He knew what he was here for. He knew what his purpose was. He knew his destiny. He was okay with that because he knew what the end result of that was going to be. And so can you and I. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not what we eat or what we drink or those things. The kingdom of God is is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We know that joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. I believe it's one of the chief fruit because the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is, first of all, love and then joy and peace. You know, those, those things, they kind of flow together. The love, joy, peace, the love that we have for God, the love we have for one another brings about a joy that causes us to have peace. That makes sense? So it, it's a good thing to have the joy of the Lord. And, and you know, I, I've never been able to figure out how a Christian could not have joy. I, I, it, it baffles my mind how we as Christians have a lack of joy. Because if we do what the Bible tells us to do, if we learn to apply the principles of God to our life, then we can maintain joy constantly. It's not dependent on our circumstances, our situation. It's dependent upon our relationship and the way that we think. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Now, Isaiah, who really never saw Jesus except prophetically, God gave him revelation of who Jesus was, and he had this to say in Isaiah 61.10. He says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Wow. That's, that's shouting ground right there. Because God has clothed us with the garments of salvation and arrayed us in robes of righteousness. What is our salvation dependent upon? Come on, y'all help me out. You're, you've been around the block a couple of times. It's not by works of righteousness that we've done. It's by his mercy alone that he has saved us. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. Listen, God has saved us by his grace and he has clothed us with righteousness. And, and so therefore, we should be doing what the psalmist said in 97, 12. It says, rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous. Praise his holy name. Amen. Are you getting this yet? So the reason many Christians have no joy is because of what they allow their minds to focus on. I tell you what, I'll be so glad when this stupid election is over with. I'm just bombarded. I get so sick of the ads and the phone calls and the conversation about it and everything else. I'll just be glad when it's all over with because, listen, our well-being is not dependent upon our political climate. Our well-being is dependent upon our relationship and our walk with the Lord and whether we are people of the kingdom or not. Amen? Because if we are people of the kingdom, it doesn't matter what this world does because we're in it, but we're not of it. And greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. So therefore, I can have joy. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It really matters what's going on inside of me. That's where it all begins. Isaiah 26, 3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That ought to give us some comfort. That ought to give us some peace to know that we can trust the Lord no matter what we're going through, no matter what situation is. If we just trust him, don't try to figure it out. Just trust the Lord. Walk through it. We walk by faith and not by sight. And Paul said, knowing this, then I make it my goal. I make it my aim to please him. And if we're doing that, then we got the joy. Amen? Because we're in cooperation with the Lord. We're walking in cooperation with him. When we walk in the light of his word and, and, and we align ourselves with the truth, truth of his word, we enter into a covenant relationship with the Father, and therefore we align with him. Listen, I want to be aligned with God because he wins. You know, he's never lost a fight. He's the all-time champion. Never, and he never will. So I want to be with a winner. Amen? And if I'm, if I'm with a winner, then I've got reason to rejoice. The psalmist said in Psalm 104, verses 33 and 34, he says, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. My meditation, in other words, my constant thoughts, may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No, always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. So, you know, Paul... I can only imagine what he must have been thinking as he was writing the, to the Philippians. And he could have very well been reading from the book of Psalms or from Isaiah as he wrote the following verses. In, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, I want to read these to you from the Message Bible. I want you to listen carefully. I like the way that Peterson puts this. He says, he says, My dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy, fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track, steady in God. In other words, you know, if, if I were writing to you, uh, the wonderful people of Destiny City, I could very well be writing the same words. And I'm going to skip over several verses to where Paul is mentioning some of his associates. But he says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can. To all you meet, that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them to see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead, instead of worrying, do what? Pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I can say amen to that. Summing it all up, friends, I'll say, I'd say you'll, you'll do best by filling your minds with and meditating on things true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not the things to curse. Put into practice what you have learned from me, what you heard and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Isn't that good? He takes all the worries away. He takes all the worries out. Because if we're focused on him and we put things in the right perspective, you see, our joy is not dependent on what's on the outside. It's dependent on what's on the inside. 
It's dependent on what we allow our minds to think. If we focus on CNN or Fox News or whatever else all of the time, it's going to, it's, it's going to determine the way you think. But if we focus on the Word of God, and if we're constantly seeking Him throughout the day, every moment of the day, that's why Paul says pray always. Pray always. You know, being in an attitude of prayer and constant communion with the Lord, knowing, and, and like Billy Graham says, practicing the presence of God, knowing he's there with you all the time. It's not one of those situations where, you know, you run to God when you get in trouble or you want something. That's when God hears from a lot of us. It's when we want something from him or when we need something from him. But when he needs something from us, are we readily available? You see, that's where we, we need to be because we're working hand-in-hand hand with the Father. We're in relationship with Him, and that's what the relationship's all about. It's not so much all that He can do for us. It's what we can do together. Amen? Us working in cooperation with God because Romans 8.28 says that He makes all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are the call according to His purpose. So if we're doing the purposes of God in our life and we are listening to what He has for us, then we have joy because we know everything's going to be all right. He's going to take care of it because we're working in cooperation with Him. If we're going against His will and we know we're not living the way that God wants us to, then we don't have peace. If we don't have peace, we don't have joy. Does that make sense? All right, I'm preaching better than you're amen, but we'll keep going anyway. See, joy is not determined by our circumstances, but by our frame of mind. Joy is unending. It never ends. Paul went on to say in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, in, in the message, he says, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Or as the New American Standard Bible says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And what is our strength? The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is a strength. Nehemiah 8.10. I, I, I love that, that chapter in Nehemiah because, you know, Nehemiah had, had, had a burden for, for uh, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, which was his homeland. And, and, and he had been taken captive and been carried away into to Babylon. And, and, uh, and the king of Babylon had long been gone. And so Nehemiah then was looking back to his homeland where, where his ancestors were from and everything else. And he, he had since uh, someone had gone there and they came back and he said, how were things? He said, the city is burned down. It lies in ruins and the walls are broken down and everything else. And Nehemiah got a burden. He got a burden for his city. You know, God wants to give us a burden for our city. He had a burden for his city. And so Nehemiah began to seek the Lord about what could be done. And he began to ask God to give him favor. Now, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And so God gave him favor with the king. And so Abraham, uh, Nehemiah had gone before uh, the king, and, and the king noticed that he was feeling sad, and he asked him why. Because it was bad if you were sad in front of the king. You just didn't do that. You know, you had to be upbeat and happy all the time, no matter what was going on. So Nehemiah wasn't. So he asked him what was going on. He says, how can I be happy when, when my homeland is ruined and my people have been carried away and the walls are broken down and lying in ruin? How can I be happy? 
God gave him favor. And, and the thing of it was, Nehemiah went back. The king gave him everything because God had given Nehemiah favor. He was able to go back to Jerusalem and build the walls of Jerusalem in 56 days. 56 days, which was just amazing. And after they had built the walls of the city, then they began to get their house in order. And so there was a priest who had come back, who had been carried away, and he came back. And, um, and he began to, to, to speak, Ezra the priest, and he began to declare the law of the Lord. And when the people heard the law of the Lord, as, as Ezra was reading it, their hearts began to break because they knew they had not been keeping the law of God. And so they began to weep and they began to mourn. But Nehemiah came before them and says, don't weep or mourn this day because God's done an amazing thing. He's built the walls. He is, he's, he's given us the law again, and things are looking good. So that today's not a day to weep and mourn. Today's a day to feast. Today's a day to rejoice in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is your strength. He said, arise, strengthen yourself. And I'm saying to you today, today's a day to rejoice. Today's a day to arise and strengthen yourself. Our city that God has called us to, God has called us here as a people of destiny to do a work in this city. And, and he has given us a church, which is a picture of what God is wanting us to do, is re- restore that old building. God is going to restore old lives. God is going to restore lives that have been broken down and lying shambles. God is going to raise them up and he's going to put his spirit in them. And God is going to do some incredible things through you, through the people of destiny, people of destiny city. God is going to do that. So today, let's arise, let's rejoice, let's give the Lord glory, let's give him praise because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? Amen. Now, rejoicing is a matter of your will. I'm going to give you this little scripture to hang on to today. I want you just to take this, and I want you to plant it inside of you, and I want you to use it to help you, to inspire you to rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, it's a matter of your will. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And when you get up in the morning, realize, again, Because God has given you another day that this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so the next day when you get up, you say this again. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, I don't have bad days anymore. I have some days that are better than others. But I don't have bad days because every day that I get up and I'm sucking wind and blowing out and walking on my own, it's a good day. Amen. So I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going to have a good time. If you want to have a good time with me, let's do it. Amen. If you want to moan and groan and complain and everything else, go somewhere else and do it with somebody else because I don't want to hear it. Amen. Amen. We're here to rejoice and to magnify the Lord and to give him glory and to give him praise and give him honor. Listen, your rejoicing doesn't depend on your circumstances. I know some of us are going through hard times and everything else. But if you want to have the strength to get out of your struggles, rejoice in the Lord. Begin to rejoice in the Lord. Realize that as we rejoicing in him, we, we grow stronger. As you wait upon the Lord, you grow stronger. As you rejoice in the Lord, you get stronger. Amen. And that's where it all happens. That's what God is looking for. Amen. Yes. You got something?
You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.